over 100 people from the ages of 2 to 80 years old were asked the question, what gives you hope? From the voices of different generations, hear their answers. Dogs wagging their tails. Talking with young people. Kindness from strangers. Spending time in the woods. Waffles. Hands clasped in prayer. Books. Christian community. The sunrise every morning. Hearing children sing hymns. What gives you hope? Today, we light the candle of hope to remind ourselves that God is at work in this world. From generation to generation, God has brought good news of love and compassion, justice and community. Let us rest and abide in that good news. Amen.
All right, guys, come sit out here where I can see you. Because I have to keep the microphone here, so come sit out here where I can see you. Got all the boys today. How are you? Good. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Good. So we are, like I said, celebrating the Hanging of the Green and the first Sunday of Advent today. But I want to specifically talk to you about one element that Northminster doesn't always use, but I managed to have the, the flower committee buy me one of them. Can you tell what there is one of that might be like right behind me that might be important? No, it just got brought in. JJ just brought it in for us. Yeah, the red flower. Do any of you know what kind of flower that is? It's kind of a churchy flower. Anybody know? It's called a poinsettia. Can you say that? Poinsettia? Poinsettia. Or poinsettia. Poinsettia. This is a flower that lots of churches use around this time of the year, and they come in all sorts of colors. This one is red. That's kind of the traditional color. But you might see them at the grocery store. Sometimes they're white or pink, or I've seen some that are purple and not very pretty. This one is very pretty. But I want to tell you about it. Um, most of the greenery that we use, that's all the stuff up on the railings, comes from Europe and European traditions. You all know where Europe is? It's right above Africa, yes. But the poinsettia comes from a different part of the world. It comes from the American continent. It is native to the American continent. And it was named after Dr. Joel Robert Poinsett, who was an ambassador to Mexico. You know where Mexico is, right? Okay. Right below us, right? Who, uh, he first introduced the poinsettia, which was named for him, in 1828. That was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quite a while ago. So the people of Mexico and Central America call this plant the flower of the holy night. They call it the flower of the holy night. And they do that because, and you can look at it after worship if you want to, the flowers, the, the petals of the flower kind of make a star and has become a symbol of the star of Bethlehem. Now, why is the star of Bethlehem important? Do you remember? Does it have anything to do with Jesus? Yeah? Why do we think the star is important? Do you remember? Okay, I'll let you off the hook. The star was over Jesus' manger where he was put after he was born so that people could find him. So you'll hear a lot during Christmas about the star of Bethlehem or the star over the manger as a way for the shepherds to find him. Sometimes we talk about the wise men finding him with the star. So this flower represents that star. Did you know that? Adults, did any of you know that? Good. So I wanted to talk to you about that so that the next time you see a poinsettia, whether it's here at church or at the grocery store or wherever, you know that it's really special. It's not just another red flower. It's a flower that helps us remember Jesus. All right. Now, I'd like for you to turn around, face the congregation. We're going to say our prayer. Remember, you're in charge. And actually, since there are only three of you, why don't you stand up? Stand up. You all can lead this. Yep, hands behind your back. Nice and polite. Very good. 
I'll say the first line, you say it back to me nice and loud. Adults, you're welcome to join in. I see the face of God in you. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. And I am blessed to be with you. O holy child of God. O holy child of God. Amen. You can go back to your seats. Thank you. A reading from Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied exultation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Word of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. The Advent Wreath. <clears throat> the lighting of candles has been a part of religious worship for centuries. The Hebrews burned candles for eight days as part of their Feast of Lights. Light has been used by many religious groups to symbolize truth. Since Jesus is called the light of the world in the New Testament, the light of candles has become an important part of our Christian worship. Some early Christian leaders stated that the wax of altar candles represented the body of Christ, while the wick symbolized his soul and the flame portrayed his divine nature. Candles made from pure beeswax were used to signify Mary, since this wax comes from virgin bees. This has resulted in the practice of some churches burning only beeswax candles on their altars or communion tables. When Joseph and Mary present Jesus in the temple, Simeon refers to the Christ child as a light to lighten the Gentiles. From this statement, church leaders have used candles to symbolize the light of Christ shining throughout an imperfect world. Advent is a time of expectation, and this is symbolized not only by the four-week period of preparation, but also by the lighting of the Advent candle in the wreath, one for each Sunday of the season. Three of the candles are purple and are lit on the first, second, and fourth Sundays of Advent, the Sundays of hope, peace, and love. The third candle is pink because the early church recognized that we are a people of joy in every season, and so they set aside the third Sunday of Advent to focus on joy. The color pink, or more accurately, rose, 
was chosen as a reminder that even in the midst of longing, anticipating, and waiting, the church never ceases to rejoice. Finally, in the middle of the Advent wreath stands a large white candle. This is the Christ candle, which isn't lit until Christmas Eve and then on the following Sundays of Christmas tide to represent and remind us of the light that comes into the world with Jesus' birth. The use of greenery, the most striking and universal feature of Christmas, is the use of evergreens in churches and homes. Among ancient Romans, evergreens were an emblem of peace, joy, and victory. The early Christians placed them in their windows to indicate that Christ had entered the home. Green represents renewal, new life, freshness, and rebirth. Plants such as pine, fir, holly, ivy, and mistletoe are called evergreens because they do not die. Through the seasons of the year, they remain evergreen, ever alive. It is no wonder that when we deck our sanctuary with evergreens during this Advent season, as they symbolize the unchanging nature and constancy of God's love. Under Christian thought and sentiment, Holy in particular, be, holly in particular became widely used in church celebrations. Holly was thought to represent the burning bush 
or a symbol of Mary, whose being glows with the Holy Spirit. It's also been suggested that the red berries represent the blood drops from the crown of thorns of the Passion narrative. In Isaiah 60:13, we hear these words from the prophet, The glory of Lebanon shall come unto you, the fir tree, the pine tree, and the box tree together to beautify the place of your sanctuary. Finally, our ancestry called the process of these evergreens, bringing home (coughs) Christmas. from Jeremiah. Watch, the days are coming when I will raise up a righteous branch of David, an heir of his royal line, who will rule justly, act wisely, and make things right again in the land. During his reign, Judah will be redeemed and Israel will be a safe place again. The name he is called will tell the story, the eternal is our righteousness. The word of God. Thanks be to God.
The Christmas tree. Today, the Christmas tree is the center of our seasonal festivities. Glittering with lights and ornaments, it is part of the beauty and meaning of Christmas. There are several legends and stories about the Christmas tree. The first use of the Christmas tree was in medieval German paradise plays, held outdoors and portraying the creation of humanity. The tree of life was a fir decorated with apples. Later, other ornaments were hung on the trees, such as paper flowers and gilded nuts. In England, branches or whole trees were forced to bloom indoors for Christmas. From these beginnings, the use of a tree at Christmas was established. But it was Martin Luther who was perhaps the first to use a lighted tree. The story is told that one Christmas Eve, Martin Luther wandered outdoors and became enraptured with the beauty of the starry sky. Its brilliance and loveliness led him to reflect on the glory of the first Christmas Eve as seen in Bethlehem's radiant skies. Wishing to share with his wife and children the enchantment he had felt, he cut from the forest an evergreen, glistening with snow, and took it home. He placed upon it candles to represent the glorious heavens he had seen. The use of a candle-lighted tree spread to all of Europe and eventually to America, where a lit tree has become the central ornament of Christmas. Advent colors. Both visual and performing arts have always been important ways to communicate the Christian faith. 
The use of music has helped believers understand their godly hope. Other forms of visual art have been used to help express various aspects of Christian doctrine and life. Colors, altar, pyramids, and banners are some of the most important visual ways Christians have used to express their faith in worship. In the early days of Christian worship, Advent and Christmas were seen as somber times, much like Lent is today. Purple table coverings were used to speak of Christ's kingship, purple being the color of royalty. We continue this tradition today with our paraments, which will remain purple until Christmas Day when they change to white. The paraments will then remain white through Christmastide, the 12 days after Christmas Day, to represent the life of the Christ child come into the world. A reading from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God was the beginning, all, came, all things came into being, and without God, not one thing came into being. What has come into being was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of the people, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. The Nativity. St. Francis of Assisi is often credited with the first manger scene around 800 years ago. For people who could not read, it was an effective visual aid in telling the story of the birth of Jesus. Today, nativity sets or creches continue to be one of the most heartwarming expressions of the season. The nativity speaks to the mystery of God's wisdom, why God chose to send her son into our world as a baby of humble birth, born in common surroundings we do not know. What we do know is that God reached out to all people, the poor and wealthy, the simple and the wise, the powerless and the powerful. Whenever we see a nativity, we find ourselves with Mary and Joseph, with the shepherds and with the magi, bowing before a manger overwhelmed by God's expression of love in human form. Today, we display three nativity sets. One belongs to D.H. Clark and is made of banana leaves and was crafted in Africa. The gifts of Christmas. From the beginning of Christmas celebrations, gift giving has been part of the season. The wise men gave 
Christ as the Savior of the world. Unique in our history of generous gift givers is the story of St. Nicholas, Bishop of Mira in Lycia in the 4th century. He is reputed to have been wealthy, his emblem being three purses and three golden balls. This was the symbol of rich Italian families at the time. It survives today in the signs of some of our pawn shops, if you go and look at those signs. The good bishop gave his money away secretly to those whom he found to be in need. He was deeply interested in young people, giving his wealth especially to maidens who lacked a dowry, and that was affecting their matrimonial future, and to needy young men. Gifts coming from unknown sources were commonly attributed to him, and parents customarily gave him credit for their gifts to their children. The discovery of his generosity is said to have been made by the father of three dowry-less girls. The eldest two each received from the chimney on successive nights a substantial gift of gold with her name on it. The father resolved to watch and see who the generous benefactor could be. His vigil revealed good Saint Nicholas as the donor of the gifts. His name survives today as the embodiment of unselfish giving. Hanging up our stockings in pleasant anticipation of Santa's gifts may have originated from the fact that the maidens of this bishopric in Mira Needing and expecting a dowry from the good St. Nicholas, suspended a stocking to catch the money that the bishop was sure to drop down the chimney. Of course, our main focus through this season of anticipation and waiting is the birth, the gift of the Christ child. It might seem silly to some that we have the same celebration year after year. After all, the nativity story doesn't change. But we do. Every year, as we come to Advent, as we hang our greenery and decorate with our nativity sets and Christmas trees, we are not the same people we were last time we engaged in these traditions. We come to each Advent season, each Christmas celebration, as slightly different people, shaped and formed by the previous year and the world around us. That's why it's so important to go through these traditions to talk about all of these things and smell all of these things and do all of these things so that we can look forward to the season. Because while we change, while we're not the same people we were last year, God is constant. God's love is constant. And in the Advent weeks, we celebrate and look forward to the birth of a child who comes year after year after year to be the tangible expression of God's love for each of us.
A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For looking with favor on the lowly state of his servant, surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. As we come to the celebration of communion, let's recognize that people of faith gather around tables just like this one in places near and far. They're sharing sourdough, rye, tortillas, crackers, wafers, even Wonder Bread, all of which represent the body of Christ. They're drinking wine or juice from handmade chalices or silver goblets, 
a common cup, a golden spoon, and plastic mini cups, all of which represent the cup of Christ's new covenant. The bread and the cup unite us with all who would follow Jesus. This meal reaches back centuries. This table is not my table, it is not Northminster's table, it's God's table. And it has infinite leaves and chairs, and there is so much room that you can bring to this table your doubts, your hopes, your inadequacies, your strengths, your joys, and your grief. So come to this table because here all are worthy and all are welcome. It is here that Creator, Christ, and Spirit dance as one, so may it always be. Would you please join me in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night that he was handed over, while at supper with his friends, Christ gave us a pledge of love that does not go away with death. On that evening, he took bread, he gave thanks for it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat all of you. This is my body surrendered for you. And then when supper was over, he took a cup and he filled it with wine. He gave thanks for it and he shared it with the disciples saying, take and drink all of you. This is the seal of the new covenant, my poured out life. I will drink this cup with you again at the table of God's joy in the day that is coming. And whenever you do these things, remember me.